Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So this is just a warning disclaimer at the start of the episode that uh, this episode we deal with trauma and squalor and some things may be, uh, may trigger you. Um, and so we just want to give you a warning on that. And also there is a little bit of swearing in this episode. Um, so to put your earbuds in, turn it off. Um, Not for around, little ears. <laughs> around little ears or if, if you're fine with that, that's cool too. <laughs> But yeah, just giving you a warning that um, we have a wonderful conversation, but there is some trigger warnings to come. Welcome to the Out of Decluttering Podcast. I am your host, Amy Ravel. And I'm Kirsty Frugia. And we are very excited today that we've got a third mic. Our community know what professional organisers do. Obviously, you listen to our podcast. You may have listened to the episode from Wendy and Angela on how they help people affected by hoarding disorder. Today, we are very excited to interview Sandra Pankhurst, Woo! if we're allowed to clap on a podcast. Um, Sandra, welcome. Thank you, thank you, thank you for having me on board. My favourite topic. (laughs) (laughs) Ours too. (laughs) Sandra, what you do is really that next level. Like there's Kirsty and I and what we do with people in their homes. Then there's Angela and Wendy who help people with hoarding disorder. And then there's what you do. Can you introduce yourself a bit and tell us about what you do? Right. Well, we're STC Services. We are a heavy-duty cleaning company and organisational company. So we do work for the Department of Justice, which is murder, suicide and aggravated burglaries. We work for Victoria Police, um, maintaining police stations, their cars and things like that. And we do lots of government, community groups and a lot of charity organisations in looking after people in the community that don't know how to clean or maintain their house or the likes of. And um, we do a lot of NDIS. So we're quite busy. And um, But really, your, you people that do the declutter, we would be the ones that you call in after to, to clean the house to get it into the way it was meant to be. And so you do the declutter, or even though we do it ourselves, but you guys do the declutter and then we go in and do the heavy-duty clean after so make sure everything's spick and span and the house can, has a better chance of recuperating. And the clients also become much healthier in themselves too because they've been living in this infestation for a while and they don't realise how it affects their health. So sometimes when we have a client that's a hoarder, we find that they're really resistant to having it done in the first place. 
Um, and by the end of it, they're the ones that are going, throw, 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 <laughs> throw, because they can realise the pressure is coming off their shoulders, that they've hung on to all this stuff for all these years for no apparent reason, because they had a misguided understanding of where the love was. Do you know what I mean? And every story has a story behind it as to why they're in this situation. And it's, it is to a degree a mental health thing, but it's also a, something they inflict on themselves as punishment because they don't feel like they're good enough. Do you know what I mean? And, like, we've seen people over the years for 20 or 30 years buying birthday presents, Christmas presents, Easter presents, birthday presents, all this sort of stuff adds up over the years. And you think they're not coming back, you know, but they're not coming back because the house is not clean enough to bring their children into mm. or there's been some sort of dysfunction. And so when they get it clean and they get to have their families back, the whole world opens up to them. Do you know what I mean? But sometimes they're caught in this quagmire of what they don't understand and in their own troubles with that and looking at life maybe as a half glass full rather than a glass half empty, of half half empty as to a glass half full. So, um, you know, we, we have the ability to change people's lives and for the better. I love the way you speak. I just love the compassion and the non-judgmental attitude and your empathy that you leak in every single one of your sentences. Like you are, have got such a heart of gold and it is so... Um, it's so evident. I can't wait for our listeners to hear more of the gold that you're going I to drop today. I can't be a hard face bitch at times. I can tell you, <laughs> you know, like we, we we know our role and what it is, and we yeah. we are actually there to help people, to assist mm. them, and to get them through some turbulent times they've had. And you know, and if they have problems in letting go, do we do a a board of collections of things, of fabrics, of smells, of pictures and things like that that they can keep rather than having this whole conglomerate of things, we give them a, a, an empathy board. Do you know what I mean? And let Great them idea. So, you know, or taking photos of things rather than having it build up because the rats or the mice and, and all that sort of stuff are going to eat it. So why don't we start looking after you because you should come first as the client and then once the house is in gear, you'll find that you feel better in yourself, you feel happier in yourself you know, and you'll possibly get your children back or your grandchildren back into your life and that'll enlighten you and make you feel better in yourself. There's such a um, such an air of dignity about how you treat people, Sandra. Like I think if I was one of your clients, I may initially feel ashamed, but I think when someone comes in with such like that compassion and you're giving them dignity, I think that that's a really beautiful thing rather than, you know, what people might expect is that, oh, this is terrible and disgusting, and but it's all about the person. It, it, it is, and it's really about um, I had such a horrible childhood growing up that I feel like no one should be treated like that, and we all deserve to be treated as an equal. Like I would never go and do a quote on a property when I was working, mind you, or on a, and I'd never wear a, a a face mask or overalls or no matter how grotty it was because I have to assimilate to that person that's in the house because when you become chameleon and you can relate to that person so I can deal with Mr and Mrs Poor or Mr and Mrs Rich do you know what I mean so you have to size out your your audience you've got which is your client 
excuse me if those notices keep coming up, but I've got emails coming through and through. <laughs> That's fine. Um, and um, I never go in there with masks or anything like that. And I sit with them on maybe a filthy couch or something like that with them so that they feel they can relate. And like we, I had one incidence where we had a, say, a property, for example, um, I went to the door to see and I was, no one was answering. And then the relative of the lady that I was meant to be seeing, he turned up and he said, oh, I'm so surprised. He said, I expected a man in big burly overalls to be coming to the, to be coming to see. He said, my mother, my auntie or something like that would be so pleased. And like, and we got on the house on fire, but I found that she spoke really roughly. Do you know what I mean? Even though she's in quite an affluent area, she was effeminate and that and all this. So I carried on the dialogue with her in the same way. And we got on like a house on fire. Like we were there for five days in getting this place up to scratch because she had two disabled daughters and she had the need to please to look after them and give them everything they want, but was just absolutely worn out with her property and she couldn't maintain it and the dogs were crapping everywhere and she put newspaper on the top of that and then that crap and that newspaper on the top of that and this come about through a council that she ended, had a fire at the property in the back laundry and the laundry wasn't attached to the house but when the fire brigade come and they saw what the challenges were we then got called in to help clean up the property and get it back to scratch. But it was quite a bit of manoeuvring, but quite a successful outcome in the end. Do you know what I mean? But it's a matter of assimilating with the client you've got to make them feel. But I always say to them too, I come in here with nothing, but I have to protect my staff so they'll have to wear PPE and things like that. I hope you understand. Yeah, and, of course, yeah. once you present that to someone, as if they're going to say no. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. I, they're, they're, they're just as eager. And you build up that rapport by doing the quote. And, yeah. like, if a quote takes an hour or two hours or whatever, so be it. It's part of investing in your client and getting the best out of your client. And quite often we can find that, we end up knowing more out of the client than their social workers, their Absolutely. handlers and all this because they'll, they look at us as the cleaner and they'll talk to the cleaner, but mm. they're too scared to talk to anyone else in authority because they're frightened they're going to be slammed down for it or whipped across the back. Do you know what I mean? So we get to hear a lot of the stuff and naturally as our obligation to the people that are paying for the job, we let them know of what's going on. Mm. It's such a privileged position, isn't it? Oh, it is indeed. It is indeed. And it's a very fragile position too because you can't break that trust. Mm -hmm. You have to live up to it and honour your agreement and, and be right on the ball like, you know, if we say we're not throwing in there, we don't throw anything out. But quite often we can see what is really trash and really has to go and because it got several people on a team, I could be on one side talking to a client and I'm going, different <laughs> different you know and so that's how we sort of get through you know and they don't notice you know but we have a a, a law that you cannot hop in the dump in you hop in the dump in we're out of here we're breaking our h&s rules yeah i like that the dump in has to be picked up on that day because yeah, otherwise yeah. i'll squarry back into it mm -hmm. and then bring all the crap back inside i had a client do that on friday sandra we had oh. all our bags of rubbish and they were out the back ready to be collected and by the time i got back there the next day the bags everything was over the garden floor yeah. everything every bag had been gone through and i was like oh <laughs> 
you can't do that because you're making a rod for your own back. Exactly. Also, you're not delivering the service that you promised to your client. Because yep. to me, all the rubbish has to be out that day because they can't be trusted. This is why they are in a situation they're in because they can't control themselves and they're frightened that what they didn't see, what is it that I'm missing? What? So they build up their anxiety that way. So it's best to get it off the property, sorted that day so that they've got a bit more peace of mind. They will say, oh, I haven't seen this around. Well, we packed up this and we packed up that and you have a look through that and see if you can find it. You know, they've got to take some responsibility too. The other thing to be really careful about is I've had numerous phone calls over the years that we have on our contract that they must put medical items or tablets or medications aside and plus jewellery or any monetary value they have in the house. They have to be responsible for it because you can imagine we go in and clean a house and then they'll ring up and they'll say, oh, I can't find my medication. I said, well, hang on, you signed the form to say that you would take care of your medication. Where was the last place you saw it? Oh, I saw it on the floor next to my cupboard. I said, well, hang on, where's your responsibility in this? Do you know what I mean? Like it was on the floor. Hmm. It could be amongst the rubbish for all we know. You know, yeah. like you have to take responsibility for it. I suggest you go and have a look. I'll ring my staff and if I can find out something, I will. But otherwise, if you don't hear from me, there's nothing else I can do. Yeah. Because you've got to be strict on them. Do you know what I mean? So, They've got to understand there are perimeters. Yeah. Sandra, can you give us a like snapshot of what a day at a work job would look like for you and your staff? Because obviously, like we've talked a lot to our community about what it looks like for us. Um, but what does it look like for you? What are you wearing? What's the level of clutter or squalor that you're heading Every into? Every job is as varied and varied. Quite often we'll go into a place that's um, quite squalid and the rubbish is almost up to the roof and you'll see fingerprints all across the roof, the ceiling. So that's how, they, and they're never really the cleanest of people. So you'll find that they're climbing over the rubbish, setting themselves on walls and fingerprints on the ceiling. So you can see how advanced that is. Whereas you might get someone on a clutter rating scale of a three or four, which is nothing yeah. in comparison to what we, we seem to see the worst of the worst. Mm. Yeah. You know what I mean? So ours are quite extreme. We've had places where we've gone into and she was quite recluse, this particular lady, and we had to use um, Jimmy bars and crow bars and all that sort of thing to break up the thickness of what we'd been there for years and walked all over and the roof was rotting away and the rain had been coming through, so it was like sheets of concrete. And so, you know, we had to have the door taken off at the front of the house to be able to get access because the door would only open so far. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's actually quite sad how people put themselves through this and how they just absolutely destroy their properties. You know what I mean? But they don't stay in the house all day. They stay at night. They, often they don't have water or electricity or anything like that. So they go to local McDonald's for a wee or whatever and they eat there or something or they might go to the local charity house for a meal or something. What we see is quite dramatic in 
comparison to what you guys would see, I should imagine. Yes, we we have made the conscious decision that we don't even um, work with hoarders. We outsource that to um, people who specialise in in that, yeah. and then you're even you know you get <laughs> you get um, outsourced by them we as get well the don't you ice. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so and that's why we find this so fascinating because this is so far out of our purview like we we choose not to because we we know that we're not um equipped to um yeah. and that there's people who are so passionate about it like you um and you ha- so yeah we may as well <laughs> refer I- people to you yeah, different strokes for different folks. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you guys are great in the organising and helping people out before they get to the stage that we get to. Correct. Yes. You know what I mean? So that's why there's so much work for everybody in the industry mm-hmm. that we don't need to backstab or stand on anyone else or okay. anything for work because there's plenty of work. It depends on your good nature too as to whether you get repeat business. I have never, ever advertised my business. If I'm not good enough word of mouth, I don't deserve the business. Oh, that's that's how I look at it. You know what I mean? <laughs> I love that, yeah. yeah. So how so long that, have you been in business for? 30 long, oh no, 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> We interviewed Peter Walsh a couple of weeks ago, Sandra, and we said, what's your advice to anyone wanting to start out in the professional organising industry? And he responded with don't. So (laughs) (laughs) similar to your feelings. (laughs) Look, it's a hard yard to row, but it's a very rewarding road as well. Do you know what I mean? When when you take the personalities into consideration, see, like I'm not into the shows like the Peter Walsh and all of them, at the shows because they do a TV style and it's not getting reality into what is really happening in the real world because we're not going to paint the place, we're not going to redecorate the place and we're not going to, all that's fantasy land for TV. And people need to understand that we do what we do to the best of our ability, Mm. but we're not going to remodel your house for you. You That's another person. (laughs) No, so they need to understand there are different situations for different jobs and that's how it all gets spread around that, you know, you just got to be good at what you do. Yes. You know, Sandra, don't rely some... on TV shows. No. If someone's listening and they're kind of trying to decide, is their level of clutter at Amy and Kirsty level or are we at calling Sandra level? How do, would you differentiate? Like when is it time for someone to call you in? Well, I'd say probably from a clutter rating scale of maybe six. Could you explain the clutter rating scale? I don't think we've talked about it on the podcast before. Right. We did it a little got bit a copy of the clutter rating. rating scale? We can put one in the show notes. Right, okay. We'll get one of the show notes and it shows you how, how like, one is just minimal shit thrown around the place. Do you know what I mean? And then it gets up to, like, a four is probably waste not even waist height, but a little bit less than waist height. But then you can get up to a 10 where it's up to the ceiling. So there are various levels of um, what the clutter rating scale is and that's then should determine who you would call to do the job. So would you classify yourself as a one, two, four? Maybe, yeah, one to three or four. Like I've got clients where I can't get in the room that we're wanting to declutter. They don't know whether the room's carpeted or floorboarded. Um, So I possibly do a little bit more with those who are 
leaning towards hoarding disorder, but anything more than that, particularly with squalor. I don't mind finding a dead mouse, some mouse poo. Like that's, you know, that's everyday rodents kind of stuff. Um, But certainly not body fluids, not pet poo and that kind of stuff. Oh, you call us for that shit. Yeah, correct. (laughs) (laughs) We're dealing crap every day of our lives, you know. Yeah. um, It's also very important to be careful of when you do deal with rats and things like that, you can get the panavirus, you know, from rats and urine and things like that. So you must be very particular in the cleanliness of your hands or, you know, and you now with the COVID virus touching your face and things like this, you can get very, very sick at it. Absolutely. Very sick. So hygiene is paramount, especially when you're in there reorganising someone's house because you don't know how clean really they are. You can see the disorder in their life, but you don't know really how clean they are or whether there's vermin or that walking all over stuff. You can see the evidence of it, but it's not clear everywhere. Do you know what I mean? Until you start pulling things apart. With the how did you... stages, we'd have to have a, a wildlife officer on scene because of the amounts of rats and mice that were in the property. Wow. <laughs> How did you learn what you've learned? Like, how did you, you know, how do you, yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated by how you got into this business and then how you trained yourself in what, in what you need to know to be safe right. and to. Well, originally I was a laboratory technician. So I was into chemistry and all those sort of things that sort of um, define what we need to use. And then I had a career as a funeral director many years ago and I could see the need of a a trauma cleaner. And out of the trauma cleaning come this hoarding bizarre thing out of it. And I didn't really hone myself in on that, but that's what I found I was really the best at. And um, it was the police, fire brigade and ambulance didn't want any of the work because they had their own gigs to do. And so I started the business out on that because I did have a domestic cleaning just business prior to that and it was called We're Absolutely Fabulous. And our catch cries, if you need a cleaner, remember we're absolutely fabulous. (laughs) And um, But that become nickels and dimes money. And in those days you didn't have to pay your staff between jobs. You only had to pay them for the work they did. And so when things started to change, it got really challenging and you'd have, oh, I'm not coming in today, Johnny's sick, or I don't feel up to it today. And you'd be working your butt off to keep this business going around the clock with end of lease cleans and, and spring cleans and, you know, all this sort of stuff and your regular domestic work. And you're thinking, God, I'm making nickels and dimes out of this, you know. So I, I thought back to my funeral director days and I thought, this is the way I need to go. So when we got our first job in Clayton, it was, and um, it was a minefield because I had a nickname, Miss Sparkle. <laughs> and um, for Mrs Sparkle going to this den of inequity was like a shock to the system, you know. I've almost had to have a Bexon lie down. And um, <laughs> anyhow, I go into this property and it's discarded everywhere, like a metre high of beer bottles and everything like that and every nook and cranny in the place was, was jumped on cans and bottles and all this sort of stuff. And that's where the, we needed a wildlife officer because the rats were jumping out and they were bigger than my domestic little dog here. <laughs> and um, I'm thinking, oh, my God, and I've got a fear of rodents. I hate the bloody things. And um, so anyhow, 
Well, that job took us 72 hours straight between the two of us to do. Wow. By the end of it, I thought, oh, I don't know whether I can do this. And plus we'd taken off five layers of flooring on the ground in the, in the kitchen and or got to the fourth layer and then I had to ring the guy and said, look, nickels and dimes, but we need more money because this is flooring is contaminated yeah. again and we can't get it till it's clean, give it over to you till it's clean. So he said, okay, agree to another $500. And we took the last layer of flooring off, but we had to cut, cut it, the lino, pour boiling water over it to break down the glue and then get spades underneath it to shove it off the floor. And with that, that our hands become, every time we hit a rivet, because it was not only glued down, it was riveted down. And so every time we hit a rivet, it would ricochet on our hands. Our hands were like watermelons in the end. And like we were depressed. We were really depressed. And I thought, I don't know whether I can do this. I don't know whether I could do this. But out of adversity, you go, oh, course I can I need the money I need the money so hence you know 30 years later I don't have to work I have my staff to work for me and they do a fantastic job you know what I mean so thank you God I did persevere with it (laughs) how do you train your staff Sandra it's not you know it's not something that anyone goes to uni for what what you do train them on the job and there's a spokesperson for every job and monkey see monkey do Mm -hmm. and we also have tests that we do once a month on different subjects and things and it's a written test and it goes into their file as well so they're keeping up with the knowledge that we're imparting upon them and how they handle certain situations and things like that and that it keeps the knowledge fresh in their mind and also you'll find with uh wendy and um angela that there's new terminology that dhhs use so you have to learn the terminology of that you know what I mean? Yeah, to get yeah. your kin to with who your clients are going to be and how that you're going to operate. So those sort of things have to be put down into a, a, a tell you form and then an exam form after that. So and that's wow. the way we keep on top of things. This August, the Utter Decluttering is supporting hashtag HalfCut. Halfcut.org are a fundraising movement with the sole purpose of buying up and protecting endangered rainforests globally. So this year they are protecting the Dane tree. Um, so with half the world's forests gone, their mission is to save the last remaining 50% of forests and start the regeneration of what we've lost. Trees are one of our best bets against climate change. And you know how passionate Amy and I are about the environment and about climate change. So we are here to support half cut now you can do that you can also get involved and they're raising money this year to buy back areas of the daintree rainforest um, and in particular lot 155 Uh, this project will support the kuku yalangji self-determined through maintaining cultural practices education of younger generations and training in caring for country and economic assistance in the form of jobs. So that is what we're supporting this um, this year and this August. Um, check out our show notes for more information and how you can get involved um, in halfcut.org. Hold up. What was that? 
Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So, um... With the trauma cleaning, um, so we've spoken a lot about squalor cleaning, um, but you also do trauma cleaning, which comes after, obviously, trauma, but um, that is directed to you by the Department of Justice and the police. Yeah. Um, So do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Well, that's a specialised thing. So we have um, ABRA in America that um, train us on that and uh, we're certified. We've got certificates and I encourage my workers to have it done. And then what I do, I have it framed. So we have red walls inside because our colours are red, black and yellow. And um, red walls with a black background on one side, but we have white frames quite ornate white frames, wooden, and then we put their certificates in there. So every time they get a certificate, it gets put on the wall and encourages them to to see. And so if anyone comes to our offices to have a look, it used to be our boardroom, but now we're turning it into a training room. We've got rid of the table. Um, We're now having just chairs put in there, but with COVID, we can't even use it for that because we can't fit everyone in the room with safe distancing. So um, we've been working on having um, Wendy and Angela come and do the the top-up course for DHHS. But every time we book the hotel, they've got shut down again. So (laughs) we're still on the never-never waiting list. It's crazy, isn't it? It is, yeah. So a few obstacles in the way, but, you know, we're not going to let it beat us because we're still continually working anyhow and we keep getting feedback and we check on staff once a month. I have a meeting with the manager and see how things are going, what new things have made them feel like, you know, where am I going, how am I going, you know, what's wrong, what's not wrong, what how ways we can improve the business and things like that. So the constant contact with the staff as well as feedback from the clients and when they do a job, we have job sheets for every job and then they have to put down comments of how that job went on the day mm-hmm. so that when we... If we have a problem or something like that, we can go back and go, oh, well, you asked us not to clean that particular room. Oh, yeah, I did. But then I <laughs> picked off to the, to the um, support worker. Oh, they didn't do that room. Well, we've got your signature to say you told us not to do that. So we have to cover our butt in every possible way. Mm. You know what I mean? So we have yeah. two forms that they have to sign. One is who's paying for the job and where it directly goes because they're not going to have it sit on your desk and then go to another department in a month's time. And then also one from the client to say that they'll put their objects away and their medications and things like that away and we are not responsible and we use that form as well. So there's two forms that have to come back before we even set foot on the property to do it. So how many staff do you have? Sounds like you've got a big team. 30. Wow. Mm. So fantastic. 
I'm very happy. Don't you worry. I just think of the commission. Thank you, God. (laughs) I love it. Sandra, when I read your book, one of the things that um, really stood out to me was that you seem to be like a possibility thinker. It seems like at so many points in your life, you've kind of come up against what others would perceive as a brick wall. And even when you're going into clients' homes that are squalid and you know, falling apart or there's been a trauma there, other people would think, oh, that's a brick wall. But you seem to have an ability just to cut through that and always see possibility. Yeah. How have you developed that? I, I don't know how I develop it. This is an inane thing that I have that I can go in and I can see the practicalities of it. Mm. I always look outside the square and I go, well, we've got to have a starting point and we've got to have a finishing point. So then we go, we start from there. So it'd be like... Um, with the hoarding of the rubbish, we would go through things systematic. We often bring things out, have a client under a safe area with trestle tables on the side, and we go, keep, go, keep, go, or charity, keep, go, or charity, keep, go, or charity. And we tell them that these have to be quick decisions because if you have to think about it, you don't really need it, you're only hanging on to it. <laughs> and so we do that and then get them through the process and then we get everything off to the skip or whatever and... Um, Sometimes we've even had to have um, a site safe. And I don't know whether you know what a site safe is. It's like a container, but it's fully enclosed and doors on it and you put your own padlocks on so that the client is the only one that can have the, the keys to the padlock. And so we all have to pull everything out of the house because the house is so contaminated. We clean the furniture down that we're going to keep, store it in the site safe or the objects that we're going to keep, store them in the site safe. And then once the place has been fully washed out and cleaned or whatever, or even carpets removed or whatever, then we start bringing everything back in from the site safe so that it's from a clean, it's gone from a dirty environment to a clean environment stored and then from the stored environment back to the clean home. And that's why, like, how different you are from even a hoarding, you know, the Angela and Wendy get you to come in and do the cleaning side (laughs) of it because you actually physically clean everything that is going back into the home. So you'll clean the couches, you'll clean the carpets, you'll clean. So can you share more about that with us? Um, Well, I don't really know what to share is because if you clean, you clean. Um, (laughs) Probably... like you have industrial cleaners or like because when we think about cleaning, when most people think about cleaning, they think about Windex and power, you know. Oh, like, God, no, no, no. <laughs> exactly. No, 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 That's no, no. what we I'm like heavy people... duty chemicals that we yeah. use and like we've got a product called Speed and it's not what you think, but it's Speed <laughs> and what it does, it dissolves grease instantly. Wow. So but you can use it on that. And then you have to wash it down and everything, and it, the grease is immediately gone, right? So, but if you can't use speed on things like glass or any other service, because it leaves the greasy residue on it. So mm-hmm. everything has to be washed down. There's different chemicals for different things. There's different things for urine. There's different things for, um, you know, we used some of the natural products from Bios, Bio, um, biosafe um, products that are a live enzyme that we can spray down on things if they're contaminated. Like sometimes you'll get a fridge that's really rotten, the power's gone off and the food was in there, it's gone rotten and you can imagine the smell of it, it's hideous. And um, so we would mask up 
open up the fridge door, spray the buggery out of it inside and shut the door and wait for a couple of hours mm. and you can open it and the odour is then destroyed. It's the live enzymes just keep eating and eating and eating away at yeah. it until it dissolves itself. You know what I mean? Yeah. But quite often we would have to take a lot of the shit out first because otherwise it's not going to work through all the stuff. We have to get a basic shell and to be able to spray it out and it gets rid of the smell. How do you, have you got that ability that nurses have to like block their nose without? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How? Well, because you don't breathe through your nose, you breathe through your mouth. Because if you breathe through your nose, you'll never get the smell out of your nose. Right, that's the key. All right, yeah. I'm taking that on board. Yeah, so breathe through your mouth and you can always cough up a bit of phlegm or something later on. Uh, but if it gets into your nostril hairs and into your nose, you're never going to get rid of the smell, especially if it comes to death or anything like that. That's a smell you never want to smell because it haunts you for a while. Do mm. you know what I mean? But once you're done one or two, it's water off a duck's back. Duck's back. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's what I was going to ask you about too, about your mental health and the mental health of your um, team. Like how do, you, how do you care for yourselves when you've gone into traumatic situations? Well, um, we do have a mental health person on board and we have to give our staff two Three um, visits a year as part of our HNS, but we verbalise everything we do. You know, we constantly chatter back and forwards. If you've got a problem, you come and see us, or you ring us at any time of the day or night or whatever, and we're there for you. Um, but we find that we tend to make a lot of our work a bit of a joke to a degree. You know, like we'll play Sherlock Holmes and stuff like that, figuring out who's up into who and who's not paying the bills. And um, But this gets us aside because we create a scenario in our mind rather than concentrating on the fact of what we're doing, even though we know what we're doing by our training, it becomes automatic. But we create stories in our mind and go, I bet you this one's on drugs, you know, and I bet you this one's doing this and I bet you this one's doing that. So we create stories to keep us going and it takes the heaviness out of the situation that can follow. You know, and always I'm constantly saying stupid things to make people laugh because I think <laughs> laughing every day is our best medicine, you know, and like yeah. Spike Milligan says, it's infectious. You know, we need to smile every day. And I just, I'm a firm believer in saying something silly and making people laugh. <laughs> and that's what gets us by. Yes, I am yeah. a firm believer in that. I say some stupid things on this podcast just to give, put a smile on people's face. And it works. It really does. And people will remember you for that. You yeah. know what I mean? They'll remember you for your, your, your indifference and your, your funniness and all the different things that come up, but they won't remember the tough issue. Mm, yeah. And I can imagine that your clients also remember your compassion, even if you do, even if they have that brashness sometimes, or yeah. like you come across brash sometimes. I'm sure that you and your staff are trained in compassion and empathy, and that oh, that's God, yes. what they remember. Well, I had one woman ring me, or she was messaging me back and forwards, and I couldn't remember who she was, but she was a former client of ours. And um, she'd seen me on LinkedIn and she made a contact with me and she said to me, oh, do you mind if I ring you? I said, yeah, no problem. And um, so anyhow, she rang me. I gave her the number and she rang and she goes, oh, do you remember me? I was from such and such a property and you did my house and um, so-and-so recommended me to you and you'd done her house too. And she said, we'll still give out your cards, you know. Aww. 
Uh-huh. Talk about your past so people don't forget. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And it's how you leave that lasting impression on them that is the most important to building your business. You know what I mean? Care, compassion and dignity is our catch cry. Mm. Your, your motto is excellence is no accident. No, it is not. Yes. <laughs> how do you feel, Sandra? Do you get called back to the same property sometimes, you know, a couple of years later? How does, how does that we work have, for you? that happen. And a lot of it happens through DHHS. Mm-hmm. And um, but they've knuckled down a bit on that now because the budgets are getting a bit wild. And really, I object to um, DHHS constantly paying out for properties because it's it's really if they can't look after the property, they should be given an opportunity to smarten up or piss off because this is our investment as a taxpayer. We own these properties and we're allowing you to stuff them up and put holes in the wall and shit and piss everywhere or not take your rubbish out. I think, hang on, Barley Charlie, you know, you've got to learn. So I went to the Minister Martin Foley when it was his brief and I said to him, we need to have a program involved where we train people how to clean, how to cook how to, to get a budget together, how to get the cogs in the family to work together. And he said, oh, no, we've got that. Well, in the 30 years that I've been working, I haven't bloody seen it yet. And mm. um, to me, it's a fog off. It's another expense. But it would be an expense worthwhile because... It's an investment. We say, yeah, we could say to them, okay, you agree to the terms and conditions to get the clean done and you will look after it. We will go back for some backup visits to work with them to clean up the house on the program mm. that we would give them. And if they don't do it, then they're subject to be kicked out of the house and give it to a family that's going to look after it. You know what I mean? I'm sorry, I'm a little bit Gina hard-faced bitch there, but I think we have to come to terms with where we're spending our money. Money is not, you know... Infinite, yeah. Yeah, exactly. We have to, you know, be a little bit tough and a little bit of discipline in our community would go a long way. It's also getting to the heart of the matter, though, isn't it, though? It is. And people, a lot of it is with yeah. DHHS, a lot of it is, yes, it's sure there's a lot of mental health and drug and alcohol abuse and that, but you still know how to wash and clean. And you're teaching your kids to do the same thing you're doing. And so we're getting generation after generation after generation of people that don't know how to look after themselves. And we, as the elders, need to say, right, enough's enough. We need to smarten this up. You're either going to learn or you're going to batch for yourself. And I think so much of it is about providing that learning opportunity. So many people say to us, Sandra, I just never got taught this. I just never got taught that you pick up after yourself or that when you've got dirty clothes, you take them to the laundry, not let them pile up in the corner of your bedroom. Well, look at the millennials now. They wouldn't know what to do. They wouldn't even know how to fit a light and fix a light (laughs) you. You know, they wouldn't know how to change a light globe or pull someone in. Like, God help us in the future. (laughs) I'm pretty glad to say that uh, in our families, our kids are incredible. But I think in uh, in a lot of, like, in our community, our podcast and online community, I think there really is a shift where people are saying, no, we want to train and mentor our kids so they're functioning healthy adults, which I love. And this business about giving every kid a prize, I'm so against that. You know, you get a prize, you get a prize, you get a prize. Oh, piss off. Life is not like that. You know, life is exactly. tough. Unless you learn to ride with the punches, you're never going to survive. We have kids these days that are killing themselves because their first love affair went sour. Well, excuse me, have we taught them how to be, 
to stand up for themselves, to believe in themselves before they believe in someone else. You know what I mean? Like if you're going to die over someone else, you might as well give up the ghost a long time ago. <laughs> Sorry, but we need to be a little bit tougher. I want you to be like the the elder of every community, Sandra. Like once a week, just send out some hard truth to yes. to us. Give them a clip over the bloody back of the head, you know. <laughs> it's no discipline in children has got flies on it. And some that we haven't even um, voted for as making these decisions on our behalf and they don't, there's no consequences for how fucked up it becomes. It's how okay. fucked up it is, you know, in the end. So we need to say, no, 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 this exercising with people's lives or experimenting with people's lives You've got to be held accountable if it goes wrong. And look at the community we're building now. It's not a very good representation of how we should be as a community. We've got all these dill heads out there now. I don't need to wear a mask. I don't know. Hang on. You're part of a community. We all help each other. We all work together. We've got a, a pandemic on our hands. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's. Not, and you don't just do it for yourself you do it for the community you as you said community we have yeah. to work together you know what i mean like all right you can have your thoughts and all this sort of stuff but it doesn't mean everyone's going to agree with you and if the majority say no it's bloody no tell us how has covid affected your business well it's made it busier um <laughs> um so we've, we've had to learn a lot of new practices as well um, implement buying a lot more expensive equipment and things like that to get jobs done. Um, but it's been a positive in a, a way for us um, that we haven't really lost work where a lot of other industries have lost a lot of work or had to put people off and things like that. So at a negative, we've got a positive, but not everyone's got the positive. Mm. So, you know, to me, it's been okay, but then, the industry that I'm in too, not that I ever thought like this, but it's not a dying industry. It's you die and then we come. You know? <laughs> <laughs> don't need to be horrible about that. No, but, you know, people are people dying are every day. Die and all this all the time. So yeah. a business is going to be needed for eternity. If someone's yeah. interested in becoming a trauma cleaner, do you suggest that they reach out to you, Sandra, have a look um, at your website? What's the steps to take? <laughs> they can certainly give us a call and have a chat to us and see what it's about. But, like, it's hard work. Mm. You won't need a gym membership, I can tell you now. You'll be as fit as Vilio. And, um, but it's hard work, a lot of training involved. You have to get your head around that. And um, it's not a job for the lighthearted. A lot of people have come and they've gone, oh, no, this is not for me because it's a smell too. You might see pictures of a dirty, filthy room or something, but until you're in there smelling it, it's a different ballgame. It's a whole other level, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, very much so. So, like, if people are interested, please contact Sandra at stcservices.com.au or 1300-583-583 and talk to anyone there and we'll see what we can do. And that's probably also the details to get in contact if you think that you or someone that you love may need the help um, of Sandra's team in your the home or the home approach. of someone. Yeah, the gentle approach, not the, the ram yard approach because forcing people to do some will not work. 
because they'll only reoffend quicker and, and bigger than before because you've taken all their security away. So it has to be handled in a very delicate way so that they feel like part of the process. Like to me, they are the captains of the ship. We guide them along the way as doing the oars. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so by suggesting several different ways for them to do something and they come up with one of those suggestions, we go, oh, what a great idea. Let's get along with that. You know I mean? So <laughs> yes. that's how you do it through encouragement and, and letting them decide which option they want. And we go, okay, that sounds like a bloody good option. You know, let's do that one. You know, so encouragement all the way rather than telling people because people get their back up straight away. And once they got their back up, you're making a rod for your own back. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So and we always ask, are you serious about getting this cleaned up? You know, because there's a lot of work in here, there's a lot of money involved. Are you really serious you want to make these changes in your life? And sometimes we, we have to do the forced cleans on people. And I remember we had a lady in a, a, a government property and she didn't want the clean down, hell or high water, but she didn't have the capability of ringing the maintenance team or anything like that. And she had a few sewerage overflows over many years and she lived amongst this flood and all this sort of stuff. And the house was just disgusting. She fought all the way. In the end, we had to condemn the place because the black mold was so bad that she couldn't possibly go back in there and live. She hated our guts. But six months later down the line, she went to the support person. She said, oh, how can I thank you? How can I thank you? She said, my life is... She said, I thought I was dying. She said, now I'm in a clean place and I can see my grandchildren again and, like, all that mould and everything. I had no idea. They don't know how to express themselves. So, like, you know, out of something that was hard in the beginning, there was a reward at the end. You're an inspiration, Sandra. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I've listened to you quite a... You see so many vast ways of doing it and people become very cunning too, you know, because, like, they families come to us and they go, oh, my God, I had no idea, and they're crying their eyes out and all that. So relax, relax, relax. They chose to live that way. And this is why when you'd say to them, okay, Mum, I'll meet you and we'll pick you up for lunch or something like that, and they'll go, oh, no, I'll meet you down at the post office because I've got a little message to do on the way there. And then when it was to take them home, oh, no, the doctors told me it's good for my health to walk, so I'll walk back. So they can get very cunning about letting people into their homes and stuff like that. And they can look well preserved on the outside because they have a garden or something do that. But the inside could be an absolute nightmare, you know. And like, and I remember many, many years ago when I first started the business, we did the head writer of the age. And she lived in squalor, absolute squalor. No gas, no electricity or water. And she used to go down to the communal bathrooms in the Aunt Deco block of flats that are along Mount Alexander, Mount Alexander Avenue. And um, she used to clean there and she presented herself quite well to work. But, you know, like you just don't know. Under that guise, people can be very cunning, very cunning. So um, guilt and shame-ridden, isn't it? Like the people that you deal with, they're just living under years and years of shaming themselves or being shamed by others. And this is why it's important that you go in there as a, a connecting human being to make them feel they've got a safe ground to fall. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? This is why I'll go in there and I might be sitting next to shit or something like that, but it's okay. It's only for a short time. I can overcome that. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? But my staff will be coming and they have to wear PPE because otherwise I'll get into trouble with the boss. Yeah, and we say that sometimes we have to wear PPE and we just say that it's because we're in this every single day. Yeah. This is this is today for you, but this is today and tomorrow <laughs> and the next day for yeah. us and our staff. And plus I'm tripping from property to property to property and, you know, I could cross-contaminate you, so I need to do it to protect you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They're all <laughs> yeah. just to get back towards the client to make them feel better about themselves. Yeah. Yeah. This has been such a joy and a delight, Sandra. We will oh, let you get you. back to your beautiful day. Um, thank, you. thank you so much for your time. Four across. Thanks, Sandra. News now. Okay. <laughs> Lovely to meet you. Bye. Right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you. See ya. Bye-bye. That was a fascinating discussion that we just had with Sandra. Hey, Amy. Oh, my gosh. She's so interesting. And I can't imagine you don't grow up thinking you're going to become a trauma cleaner, but the beautiful spirit which she brings to her clients is quite inspiring. Yeah. If you want to learn more about Sandra Pankhurst, then there is a beautiful, beautiful book written by Sarah Krasnostein hope I'm saying that right. Um, It's called The Trauma Cleaner, One Woman's Extraordinary Life in Death, Decay and Disaster. Amy and I both read it. We love it. Recommend it to anybody. It's a fascinating read. Um, Sandra, the book goes into a whole lot more about Sandra's life, more than just the trauma cleaning, but her history. Um, And so it is a fascinating read and we highly recommend it. Um, So yeah, you can check it out wherever you get your good books. And we really hope you enjoyed that conversation. We do. And we just wanted to give a quick shout out um, to a new Patreon supporter that we have got in the last couple of days. So we just want to say, Courtney Miller, thank you so much for coming on board our Patreon team. It's because of you and other Patreon supporters that we can continue to bring you this podcast and feel supported. So thank you. Thank you. We'll see you next week. Yeah, we'll be back with you next week. Bye. (laughs) Bye. Thanks for joining us. If you've learned something awesome today, we'd love you to leave us a review on iTunes or Facebook so others can find our podcast too. Don't forget you can see the show notes in your podcast app or over at our website, artofdecluttering.com.au. So if there's anything you want more info on, check it out there. If you'd like to join our supporter community, you can do so over at patreon.com slash decluttering. We hope you have a great rest of your day and enjoy the freedom. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.